1: have made it clear, choose this day who you will serve. You want to cry out the pleasure? You want to cry out for materialism? You want to cry out to the God of the world? Let them save you. Let them be your help in your time of trouble. Let them take care of your needs. Go ahead. But if you choose the one true living God, if you walk hand in hand with your Savior, if you confess your sins and humbly give yourself to Him and your life to let Him do as He pleases, then He will deliver you.
0: Both you and the world you live in are designed to place a master in your life. As such, you'll end up either serving God or something else. Pastor Dave encourages you to place Jesus as your master and warns you that anything other than Jesus will let you down. Commit yourself to serving Jesus and you'll find true balance. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 10 as he continues his message, The Nation Falls into Decay, once again. You are a show.
1: We put so many things before our God. And you talk to people day after day, you know, and they're hurting and they're sick and something comes up and the first thing they want to do is cut out fellowship. So what do you need? But the first thing we cut out, I don't know, you know, the first thing you want to do is, I don't want to go to church tonight. Well, why? I'm having a bad day. Well, then you should be in church if you're having a bad day. What a better place to be. What a better place to be. Oh, no, I want to stay home. Say, I want to do what? Be in gloom and doom? And end up watching American Idol? But that's just human nature. First thing we want to do is we want to cut out what we need most. And you know, don't you think Satan knows that? And he puts that idea in your head, do you cut out fellowship? I'm not going to go. I'll show you God I'm not going to go. Who gets hurt? You miss out on something. Anything that becomes a master passion of ours and is placed before our relationship with Christ is a foreign God. We have got to stop these things. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your energy? What's the driving force behind your life? Introspect inside. Look inside. David sits before the Lord. Examine me, Lord. Look at my heart. Is there anything wrong in there? There is. Point it out to me. Help me to jettison those things. Now, everything we mention, again, is not bad in and of themselves. They're good. But when they take precedent over our God, they become bad. Israel were forsook their God. They did not serve them. Instead, they got caught up with all their toys, all their trinkets, and all the things of the world. So easy to do. So easy to do. Like, Come on. You're the same as I am. At least I hope you are. How many of you are wide awake until you open the Bible at night to read? How many of you go, I'm going to pray for an hour? Sit there and go, Lord, help me. How long's it been? <laughs> what do you Three minutes. Been here forever. All he wants to do is fellowship with you. All he wants to do is pour his heart upon you. These were his children. These were his children. So we have the disobedience part of the circle. Now, in verses seven through nine, here comes here comes the discipline. So, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Oh, man. You know what? I don't ever want to hear a sentence that says, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Dave. Ooh, I don't want to hear that. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. Sold them into what? Sold them into slavery. Sold them into bondage. He gave them up. From that year, they, were, they harassed, he's the, they is the Philistines and the, and the people of Ammon, harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin, and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was greatly distressed. I'm sure they were also greatly depressed. Didn't anybody there? Obviously not, but didn't anybody stand up and go, hey guys, take the nail out of the one foot because all you're doing is walking around in circles. You're back to the same point where you are all these times. What's going on? But No. He sells them into bondage. And this is what the world will do to you. The world says, look at me. Look at me. You can't kiss a girl without K, because every kiss begins with K. You have to have this to make you this. You have to have that to make you that. You have to have all these kind of things. The world's sucking you in. Sucking you in because you start striving for all these things, striving for all these. I remember, I remember when I wasn't a Christian and I wanted something. I wanted it so bad that I usually went into debt to get it. Oh, big mistake. But it's because I wanted it. I don't want it. I had to have it. The world sucks you in. The world just sucks you in. You become slave to the world. You become slave to the credit card. You become slave to the bank. You become slave to whomever. You become their slave. And you work for them. You work for them and you end up Miserable, you end up unhappy, you end up destroying relationships, you end up, you end up really just fretting over everything that's going on in your life because nothing's going well, and you end up in financial ruin and trouble. And the Lord allows it because you forsook him. You forsook him, and you went to follow something else. God allows these nations to come in. God allows these nations to become his wooden spoon. They come in waving their wooden spoons. Picture an army of that. I'm going to leave that in your mind for the rest of the night. Picture an army carrying nothing but wooden spoons. And they come in and they start beating the snot out of these Israelites. They become God's wooden spoon. God's discipline tool. He sells them. They're in bondage. Now there's chaos. There's fighting on all sides. The invading armies are coming across the Jordan. People are getting hurt and killed. And all kinds of crazy things are happening. Israel goes deeper and deeper in despair. They put up with this for eight years. 18 years. 18 years. How long will you stay in bondage? I stayed in bondage to the credit cards. I stayed in bondage to money. I stayed in bondage for a long, long, long time, even after I was a Christian, until God broke me of it. And the way He broke me of it is He broke me. Literally broke me. How long will we allow others to be our master? How long will we put up with others being our master? I serve one true master, and that's Jesus Christ. He is my true Lord, and he has everything for me. And how long will I continue to blame God for my disobedience? Oh, Lord, if you'd have been a good Lord, you wouldn't let me make that loan. You know I wanted to go see my daughter, so I had to have this money so I could get there. Why did you let me do it? Or you start blaming someone else, spouse, a neighbor, whomever. Unfulfilling careers, broken relationships, financial problems. How long are you going to wait before you cry out to the Lord? Israel waited 18 years. 18 years to call out to God. But finally, the cycle comes to the next D word, despair. Disobedience, discipline, despair. And it's time to call out to God. I would imagine one of the guys who's probably 900 years old sitting there going, finally. Finally, they're going to call out to God. Verse 10, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, we have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. Finally, finally, oh, I know it's going to get better because we've now said, Lord, we've sinned. Lord, we're sinners. We've come to you. We need your help. It's a small kink in the process this time. There's a small kink that happens this time. It's almost like, I remember one time, and this, this came to me when I was studying it, and I wasn't going to say it, but now it came to me again, so I have to say it. I remember one time, I got so mad at my mom. Oh, Ginny Shank was a beaut. But I got so mad at her that I was sitting on the front porch with my arms crossed with my buddy, and I said, you know what? That's it. I'm going to run away. <laughs> I'm going to run away from my home. You know what I heard coming out of the living room? You want me to pack your bags? You want me to pack your bags? She said, I went, oh my gosh, you heard me. <laughs> well, God heard them, and he listened to what he says. Listen to his comeback in verses 10 through 14. Listen to what God says to these now people. Let's look at 11. So the Lord said to the children of Israel... Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the hand of the Ammonites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines? Also the Sidians, the Amalekites and the Maenites. When they oppressed you, you cried out to me and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me, served other gods. Look at this one. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Ouch. What? No, 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 no. Lord, this is when you say I'm going to take care of you. No, 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 Lord. This is when you say, you know, me and you all the way, God. You know, hey, we're buds. Come on. This is when you say we're good. No. What? In other words, what he's saying is, and I love the next verse. You got to look at verse 13. <laughs> Go cry out to the other gods which you have chosen and let them deliver you from the distress. <laughs> Be careful what you really want and what you really press for. Be careful what you really pray for. Be careful what you really go for with all your gusto. God just may give it to you. And then when you have it and you cry out, I like, go, well, let them save you. Let them take care of you. Let them carry you. God gave them over. What does this sound like? God gave them over? Anybody here of Romans 1? Right. Gave them over to what they want. This is what you want? Go for it. I'm giving you over. I'm letting you do it. Go ahead. He gave them over to their retrobate minds, giving them over. I will deliver you no more. Ouch, man, that wooden spoon stings. That wooden spoon really stings. He's saying, go cry to the gods you're serving. This happens a lot. When people are serving different gods, you hear their cries in the hospital. People are serving money, and they'll come up to the doctor, and when their child is dying, they'll go... Money's no object, God. A doctor, money's no object. Do whatever you need to do. Money's no object. When they're serving drugs, they'll say, whatever drug you got, isn't there some experimental drug? Isn't there some this? Whatever's necessary to cure it. Whatever you do, doc, use all your powers to save it. God says, go ahead. Let me know how that works out for you. Go ahead. And then when the child dies, they blame God instead of coming to their knees and calling out to God or coming boldly to the throne room of grace and humbly submitting yourself to God. Joshua made it clear, choose this day who you will serve. You want to cry out the pleasure? You want to cry out for materialism? You want to cry out to the God of the world? Let them save you. Let them be your help in your time of trouble. Let them take care of your needs. Go ahead. But if you choose the one true living God, if you walk hand in hand with your Savior, if you confess your sins and humbly give yourself to him and your life to let him do as he pleases, then he will deliver you. Then he will deliver you. You listen to what it says. If my people who are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves. Turn from their wicked ways. Pray. Pray. Then, oh, and seek my face. Then, then, see the action there? See the action that has to happen? When you do that, he will strengthen you. He will be your comfort. He will be your shelter in the storm. He will be your power and strength in the time of need. But why did God say no? Why did God say no to his people this time? Had he had it? Well, he's long suffering. He waited for something. He said no because of the sin in their life. Sometimes God says no when we're in sin. God will say no. Oh, don't you hear my prayer, Lord? Look at verse 15. The children of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. They acknowledge their sin. What I hear here, you know what I hear in this? What I hear right here is I hear Jesus' words, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done, O Lord. Your will. Many, many times we get in a situation where we go, I won't seek you until you do this, God. I won't seek you until you do this. How many people do you know when you're witnessing them? They'll say, well, when I see it, I believe it. God says, no, 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 no. Believe it and I'll show you it. Do whatever you will, they said. You see them laying their lives, they're laying their lives down. Do whatever you will. Your will be done. Do whatever you will. You know, as, as I just am affected by various things that i see and that i hear and i'm affected by things and they stay with me and one of the most powerful scenes to me one of the most powerful scenes in the movie facing the giants one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is when he is out in the middle of the field and he is bawling because he's the problem they can't have kids he's the problem he's the problem and he stands out there and all of a sudden he gets this revelation he says lord I will still serve you even if I can't have children. Man, I get chills in my spine every time I hear that. This is what's happening here. Whatever you will, Lord, whatever you want to do, well, that's okay. Whatever it is, I'm going to serve you, Lord, even if you don't heal me from cancer. I'm still going to serve you. Even if you don't hear my son, even if you don't do this, even if you don't restore my relationship with my wife, I will serve you. God can do a lot with that. God can do a lot with that because it's the heart. It's the heart. He looked at them and I love the next line because he had compassion on them. Why did he have compassion upon them? Look at, 15, look at 16. Look at 16. I love this verse. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. So, there's an action here. You know what I call this? I call this true repentance. I call this true repentance. Why? Because repentance simply means change. Repentance means I'm going this way. I'm going to change the way I'm going. And I'm going to go this way towards the Lord. That's what repentance means. I'm going to give this up and I'm going to go this way. Best part of the movie, fireproof is when he takes a computer out back and beats the snot out of it with a baseball bat because he had a pornography problem. And that was one way to rid of it. He was showing everybody, including the Lord, I'm done with this, boom. That's repentance. Repentance isn't saying, oh, I'm sorry. You got caught. That's not repentance. Godly sorrow leads to godly repentance, being truly hurtful, sorry, and then changing your way. Changing your way. That's true repentance. And that's what God looks for. True repentance, a true repentant of heart. But look at the next part of that verse. Here it comes. And his soul, God's soul, could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Israel, the apple of his eye, his children, his special people, the ones who he called out, whom he loved and he loved and he loved. He couldn't stand their misery. That's how much of a loving God we serve. He had compassion on his people. This is the same way he thought of you when Jesus went to the cross. This is exactly the same way he thought of you. He saw your misery and his soul couldn't handle it and he sent his son to the cross. I can prove that. Romans 5 verse 8. You use it all the time when you're in the Roman's road. God demonstrated his love to us while while ye were yet sinners, Christ died for us on a cross. That's exactly what's happening here. God saw their repentance, saw their hearts and said, oh my gosh, I'm going to help them now. But see, Christ did that before I repented. He did that before I repented. And all this time, the people of Ammon are gathering together and they encamp at Gilead. Let's look at 17 and 18 as we finish out this verse right now. The people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead and the children of Israel assembled together and camped at Mishpah. The people, the leaders of Gilead said to one another, who is the man who will begin to fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all of the inhabitants of Gilead. No leader. Where is our leader? No one's available because they're all serving idolatry. They're all there. And as we go into chapter 11, the most unlikeliest man is chosen by God. The most unlikeliest man is chosen by God. Look at verse 1. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor. So he was already a mighty man of valor. He was already a man strong, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. Let's look at this for a minute. We'll end here. The unlikeliest person is raised up by God. Talk about unlikely. He's the son of Of an indiscretion with his father. His father cheated on his mother and he was born. They called him illegitimate. They called him all sorts of names. You know from our study of Jesus Christ that Jesus went through this same thing. They called him illegitimate, they called him bad names because Mary wasn't married at the time she became pregnant. It was a terrible stigma at that time. Jesus faced this thing. So what really struck my heart, and we sang about it so graciously today, it was so cool the way the Spirit had Frank pick out this songs when we sang, Who Am I? When we sang, Who Am I? And when he sang, You're a good, good father. That's who you are. God looks down upon this man, and he sees what he can, can be. And he uses them mightily. He uses the man mightily. So when you think you can't be used by God because of your past, because of something that has been wrong, that's not true. That's not true. When you think God doesn't love you, when you think you're having a problem, in fact, Isaiah wrote about this. Isaiah wrote about this in Isaiah 51. In Isaiah 51, verse 1. He says, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole for the pit from which you were dug. (laughs) He says, you're nothing. Well, you're nothing. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. And he goes on and on and talks about that. He says, basically, you're nothing. Jephthah was nothing in the eyes of his brothers, in the eyes of the town people. He was absolutely nothing. He was a waste of their time. He was like, yuck, we don't want anything to do with you. We don't want anything to do with you. And God raises him up, and we're going to see that he serves Israel mightily, and he becomes one of their judges. And God thinks so highly of Jephthah. He thought so highly of him at the end. How do I know this? Once again, once again, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Verse 32, Hebrews chapter 11. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail for me to tell you of Gideon, of Barak, and Samson, and who? Jephthah. You're only in that chapter for one reason. Great faith. Great faith. You are sure.
0: When God raised up judges to bring the people of Israel back to Himself, He did it in unusual ways. He chose a variety of men and women, strong and timid alike. These judges were given tasks to show God's power to the Israelites and the enemy, and God accomplished His goals in an unexpected fashion each time. God can and does use creative ways to reveal who He is, proving that He's the only one who could have made it happen. As we follow God and learn to rely on Him, He'll reveal Himself to us as well. It may not be in the ways we expect, but we can be sure it will be in the way God knows is best. Are you praying for God to move in your life? We'd be happy to come alongside you and support you with prayer as well. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of Judges, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download and we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for tuning in to our message today. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word. Pastor Dave will continue to take us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Judges when you join us next time right here on A Sure Hope. upon us.